Are money market funds safer than FDIC-insured bank accounts? And what would happen with your investments at a broker if that broker collapsed? Or if you own mutual funds or ETFs, what would happen to those investments if the company behind those funds failed? Well, those are the questions we're going to tackle in today's video. Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Berger. This is the Financial Freedom Show, where we talk about investing, retirement, and financial freedom. If those topics are important to you, I encourage you to subscribe to the channel. Also send out a newsletter every Sunday morning. You can sign up for the newsletter with the link below this video. So since the whole banking crisis that we've been going through the last week or so, I've gotten tons of emails from folks. You know, are money market funds safer than bank accounts? What happens to my, my funds, ETFs? Like what would happen to VTI, a Vanguard a total US market fund? What would happen to that fund and our, our money if Vanguard went belly up? Or what would happen? I got a question about SCHD, which is a Schwab dividend fund that I own. By the way, I also own VTI. Uh, what would happen to that fund if Schwab uh, failed? They're great questions, and I want to walk through my view on all of these things, kind of put them into some context. And I think the starting point is to understand the difference between uh, what a broker does with money that we you know, give them, right, to invest and invest in, say, a mutual fund or an ETF on the one hand, and what a bank does with our money when we deposit money into, say, a checking or savings account. So let's start with banking. And to do that, I'm going to actually go to SVB since they're in the news. This is their most recent 10K. This is an annual statement. They uh, file, uh, all public companies do, file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It includes uh, their financial statements. And the table of contents is basically the same. This is all dictated by federal regulations. And item eight uh, in every 10K are the financial statements. And so they've given us a hyperlink. And so very good. And we get, first we have the, the report of independent registered public accounting firm. In this case, it's KPMG. They are no doubt uh, already in the midst of an investigation for their audit. I have to say, as a former enforcement attorney at the PCAOB, it would not surprise me at all if it turns out KPMG did not do anything wrong in their audit, but that's a whole nother topic for another video. All right, what I wanna show you is their balance sheet. So when we make a deposit at a bank, checking account, savings account, CD, money market account, uh, that money ends up on the bank's balance sheet, right? And they take that money, as we, I think we all know, and they invest it. They, they make loans, they make car loans, business loans, personal loans. They may invest uh, in securities. And so if we look at their balance sheet, uh, if we were to invest $1,000 at this bank, uh, it would be both an asset and a liability. We can see the liabilities right down here, non-interest bearing demand deposits. So these are deposits that the bank holds that, that are not paying any interest. And then they have interest bearing deposits right here. And you can see they had quite a lot. These are in millions. So it's uh, you know, almost $200 billion. Uh, now it may seem odd that it shows up on the, the bank's books as a liability. But keep in mind, it, it does that because they owe the depositors this money. You've deposited $1,000 into a checking account. You, you know, the bank owes you that money back whenever you want it. Of course, it shows up as an asset as well. It, it, probably initially, right, it would show up as cash. But they could then take that and they could invest in securities, like they this line here. Uh, they could make a loan, right? They could make a business loan or car loan or, or, or what, what have you. But they're taking our money that we've deposited, some portion of it, and investing it, right? That's sort of the nature uh, of banking. And that's the real risk of holding money 
at a bank is that if the bank does a poor job of, of effectively investing your money and my money and they lose a lot of money, we may not get all our deposits back. Of course, we know that, but we have FDIC insurance that's designed to give us some safety and security and stability in the banking industry. We know that it's $250,000 limit. If you watch my last video, you also know there are ways to increase that limit. And so if you are under the FDIC limits, I think a bank account is still about as safe a place to park money as, as we have available to us today. But that's how a, a bank works. Now, when it comes to a broker, though, it's fundamentally uh, different. And that's what we need to understand. And so to show you that, we're going to actually look at Schwab's 10K. And I picked Schwab uh, because uh, they're publicly traded, uh, unlike, say, a Fidelity or Vanguard. So I have access to uh, their uh, 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 financial statements. We're looking at their balance sheet as of the end of last year. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of things. But I want to start by looking at their total assets, which is right here. I can highlight it for you. I can make this a little bigger. There we go. And you can see these are in millions. So their total assets are $551 billion. That's their total assets. Now, raises a question. Well, how much money do, do have folks given Schwab to invest for them in Schwab funds, for example? Well, according to the Schwab website, they are managing, look at this, 7.38 trillion dollars, trillion with a T, in client assets. You might say, well, wait a minute, that can't be right because they've only got 551 billion in assets on their balance sheet. And, and this is the fundamental difference. When we give money to a broker and we buy shares of Apple, or we buy shares in this case of a Schwab fund, that money does not show up on Schwab's balance sheet. That is not money that Schwab can do with however they please. They can't go out and invest that money any way they want to. That's not how a broker works. That would violate state and federal laws. It's kept separate. The way I like to think about it, it's almost like if you took your money at a bank and instead of putting $1,000 in a checking account, you put it in a safe deposit box at the bank. Well, the bank can't break into that safe deposit box, take your money and go make a loan with it. It's separate. They've got to keep it separate. Brokers uh, work the same way. If I have money and I've put it into uh, shares of Apple, I've bought treasury bills with it at a broker, doesn't matter if it's Schwab or Fidelity or, or, or Vanguard or somewhere else, that's, the, that's where it stays. And it's actually separate from the assets that Schwab controls that they can you know, do run their business with and, and, and so forth. It's kept separate. So again, Schwab over $7 trillion in client assets, but doesn't show up on their balance sheet. Now, if we go back to the balance sheet, though, we'll notice something interesting in the liability section. Look at this, bank deposits. That's just like SVB's balance sheet. And, and you can see they've got quite a lot of it. It raises the question, wait a minute, Rob, if you're, if you're right and they're keeping all these, these broker assets separate, why in the world are bank deposits showing up as a liability on their balance sheet? The answer is Charles Schwab has a bank. It's a subsidiary uh, of Charles Schwab. And in fact, we can see it, it's right here. There's a website, Charles Schwab Bank. And in fact, we can find it on the FDIC website. Here it is, FDIC certificate number 57450. So if you were to deposit money into the Charles Schwab Bank, say in a checking account, that's no different than depositing it in any other FDIC member bank, and that works just like a bank. So they can take that money 
and invest it by buying securities, making loans, just like a bank does, but you get FDIC insurance coverage. If you deposit money with Charles Schwab, the broker, you don't get FDIC insurance. Now you do get some insurance, it's called SIPC, SIPC, which you may be uh, familiar with. We'll talk a little bit ab about that, but I actually don't think that's where the safety comes from, from a, a brokerage account. It really comes from the fact that they've separated the assets. They can't put it on their balance sheet. They can't decide to invest it any way they please. You decide how you're gonna invest the assets you, can, you deposit in a brokerage account. And, and the broker has to keep those separate from its own uh, assets. Now, that raises sort of a related question, and that is, well, what if we don't invest in Apple or Microsoft uh, or a treasury bill? What if we invest in, say, a Schwab money market fund or a like SCHD, a Schwab uh, ETF? How safe is that? Like, what would happen to SCHD if Schwab were to go bankrupt? Or what would happen to VTI if Vanguard were to go bankrupt? And kind of related, while we wouldn't expect either of those large, uh, well-established firms to commit fraud, um, is it possible? Could Schwab just decide one day to reach into SCHD and take our money? Well, those are great questions, and I think we're pretty secure. I suppose anything is possible in this world, but I think uh, we've got a system in place that does a good job of protecting us from those sorts of things, and I wanna show you how that works. So um, we'll start with uh, Schwab Government Money Market uh, Money Fund, Money Market Fund, and I want to walk through this so that you can do this with any fund you own. Uh, what we want to see is if we put money in this case, in this fund, symbol SNVXX, who actually controls the investments and the cash that's in this fund? Does Schwab uh, Corporation have access to this? Could the CEO of Schwab decide to dip into this fund and take our money if they needed to pay some bills? Well, to figure that out, we want to look at their regulatory documents that they file and here we're going to we're going to see it here and specifically we want a document that's called a statement of additional information this is uh, a document that they are required to file with the sec and uh, along with the prospectus uh, and so here it is statement of additional information and a, a statement of additional information can cover as it does here multiple funds but one of the things that it will tell you is who's the custodian? When we, if we're gonna deposit money into this particular fund, or it could be VTI or SCHD, who's the one responsible for actually holding and safeguarding our assets? So I'm just gonna search for custodian, and this probably comes up multiple times in this document, but let's see if we can quickly get to it. There we go, there we are. It's custodian and fund accountant, State Street Bank and Trust Company serves as custodian and fund accountant for the funds. And I looked up some, let's see if I can find it quickly here. Yeah, here it is. This is from Vanguard. I thought I'd show you this one as well. And I highlighted the relevant uh, section, but let me make it a little bigger. Oops, here we go. The securities that underlie the funds are held by a custodian, not by Vanguard. Vanguard is paid by the funds to provide administration and other services. The point is, ETFs and mutual funds, and you can check for all the ones you own if you want. Statement of additional information is where you'll find it. Uh, they hire and pay a custodian uh, to keep these assets separate from, in this case, Schwab or Vanguard. And that's very important. In fact, while I'm sure there are many examples, I can only think of, of one off the top of my head where the investment advisor and the custodian were actually one and the same. 
Bernie Madoff. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> that is a red flag. So for example, where this may come up is if you hire an investment advisor to manage your assets for you, they should never, ever, ever have control of those assets. They should be somewhere else, like at a Vanguard or at a Fidelity. Now, they may have the ability to buy and sell in your account because you've hired them to manage your investments, but they should never have complete control of those assets ever. And if an investment advisor ever suggests that he or she should be able to control your money, uh, yeah, that's a big, big red flag. But in the case of like a SCHD or a money market fund, VTI at Vanguard, check out the statement of additional information. You will see uh, uh, that they have custodians that keep this money separate and apart from Schwab or Vanguard or Fidelity. And that kind of gets to sort of the last question is, let's imagine Schwab went belly up, bankrupt. Uh, well, they can't, creditors couldn't reach in and say, you know what, you owe us money, Schwab, so uh, we want you to go into SCHD or one of your money market funds to pay us back. Well, Schwab would simply say, sorry, we don't own those. Those are not our, that's not our money to control. That belongs to our clients. We, we don't have control over that. So you're, you're, out, you're out of luck. Now, one thing I do want to mention, I talked about the insurance, SIPC. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that that does not insure against market losses. So if Schwab were actually to fail, SCHD itself would still continue to exist. Now it might get administered differently, but the custodian still has all the assets. They haven't gone anywhere. Schwab's creditors can't get access to them. Uh, so I have no concerns personally uh, that even if something like that were to happen, I think my investments in SCHD, they would still be there. But that doesn't mean their market value wouldn't go down. Of course, you can imagine if a firm like Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab actually failed, there would be a lot of bad things going on in the economy and maybe even the banking system for that to happen. And so the value of maybe all of our investments would go down significantly. There's no protection against that. As investors, that's just a risk we take. Now, SIPC uh, could protect us uh, if, say, a, a broker were to actually go in and steal our money. Uh, but of course, there are limits on, on the amount of that coverage. But I think for most people, that's not actually what they're focused on. Because of the recent banking turmoil, they're really focused on a broker collapsing. And, and for me, uh, that's just not a concern in terms of, you know, the safekeeping of my assets for all the sort of the reasons that I described. Now, I will leave links to everything I've, I've shown you below the video, but I want to show you a couple of more sort of additional reading that I think you might find very helpful. And the first uh, is from uh, FINRA, and they talk about if a brokerage firm closes. And you can see here, for example, in virtually all cases, when a brokerage firm ceases to operate, customer assets are safe and are typically transferred in an orderly fashion to another uh, registered brokerage firm. But there's more information here. I'll leave that for you. Uh, Fidelity has a page where they talk about the difference, for example, between FDIC insurance, SIPC, which I, I just briefly discussed, and other types of coverage. One thing I should go back on, on this coverage, by the way, it's Securities Investor Protection Corporation. Uh, some of the bigger firms, and this is certainly true um, with Fidelity, as you see here, they have excess coverage because SIPC covers up to $500,000 in securities, 250,000 limit for cash. But uh, you know, firms like Fidelity are gonna have additional coverage um, that they effectively pay for for insurance. So you can check that out, but I think that's, um, a, a very helpful page as well. So I know I've kind of gone through this quickly. I'll put all this information below the video. 
my take on it is even in this sort of current banking crisis, I think banks, as long as you're under the FDIC limits, incredibly secure. I personally think money market funds are, are incredibly secure. That's not to say that the, none of these things have any risk, but I think uh, the risk is, 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 is minimal. Certainly if a Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab were to go under, uh, I don't have I don't personally have any concerns about the safeguarding of my assets in the brokerage accounts, including uh, ETFs and funds that, that the, the broker's name is behind, like an SCHD. That fund is still going to exist. Uh, it, it may get changed and no, no longer call, called a Schwab fund under those sets of circumstances. But I personally don't have any concerns that those assets would go anywhere. Certainly Schwab's creditors would have no claim to those assets at all. Uh, in my view. So there you go. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments below. I'll do my best to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.